Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Are you ready to manifest incredible love? Not just love, but healthy, meaningful, aligned love. Hi, I'm Alia Lovely, the host of Chart Topping Podcast, Spiritual Shit. And I'm Shirin Eskandani, coach and founder of Wholehearted Coaching. We've both manifested amazing partnerships and want to show you how to do that in your own life by unlocking your energy and mindset. So we've created Manifest Them, the online course to call in your soulmate. With over six hours of content, worksheets, bonus meditations, and breathwork exercises, this course will show you exactly how to shift your beliefs and frequency to manifest your equal and capable partner. This course will not only teach you how to call on your soulmate, but also how to nurture a loving, healthy relationship. If you're interested in finding love or finding out more about how to manifest, head over to manifestthem.com. Open the door, love, and step into the partnership you've always desired. Hello, everyone. How are my beautiful, beautiful listeners? I hope you guys are rad. <laughs> this has been an interesting week. Um, finally, retrograde is over. Huzzah. <laughs> so interesting to see the different energies that were coming in. And and I was, I was feeling it this time, y'all. I was feeling it. And I was like, ooh, like oftentimes I'm like, don't blame retrograde on why your life is, is bad. It's you. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, these aren't, these things aren't my fault. Um, it's been a really interesting week and things have kind of just blurred together, but I will say I have ve- definitely felt some new energy come in and the new energy ha- that has come in has been, at least for me, like revitalizing. It's been, whoa. Okay. I feel like there is a new wave of momentum coming and I'm trying not to get overwhelmed Um, I did figure out like this week for me, this year is definitely going to be about balance. Last year was about introspection and healing. This year is going to be about balance and something really important. I'm I'm realizing, recognizing, and something we're going to talk about today, which I'm super excited about is empathicness and uh, recognizing a lot of my sensitivities and where I have, um, I exacerbate or um, overload some of my sensitivities uh, not really paying attention to areas in which I need more better balance. And so um, even today I was feeling like, I'm really tired. I don't need another task. And I've had, uh, I had a really busy day today. I had to go to the the doctor for prenatal stuff and um, do the stupid glucose test, which was like, you know, you had to be there for three hours and get pricked four times. And I'm tired of feeling like a human pincushion. <laughs> And in addition to that, you know, work stuff and it's like, oh, can I get everything done 
before this child arrives in order to get to a place where I can rest. And then I had to ask myself the question, will I actually rest? Hmm. No, because that's just not who I am and I'm not good at balance. And then I started thinking about other people that I've been talking to and it's like, you know, we have been overloaded in our sensitivities with the last year and everything that's happened and we're not giving ourselves the proper space to really absorb what the fuck is going on, you know? So it's, it, we're kind of hard on ourselves. It's like, why shouldn't I, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And I'm should a bit, a bit. And I, I come to this conclusion this week where I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, and I encourage you to do the same because as we talk about today's episode, uh, we're going to talk about empathicness. We have Lola Pickett. She's incredible. Like I would say guru, uh, on empathicness and, and all the different types of empaths there are, which I was aware of somewhat, but like she really gets into it, which I'm excited to talk about. Um, so before we hop into the episode, just a few housekeeping things. If you haven't already, um, before March 1st, you can still save $100 on our program, manifestthem.com to call in your soulmate or learn more about manifestation. Um, you can read about it all there. I'm not going to list it on here. Um, it's such a beautiful program. I'm so proud of it. And yeah, go check it out. Also tonight we are doing an IG live where we're answering your questions on love and manifestation. So if you have Instagram, uh, I encourage you to get on there. We're going to be on there at seven CST eight EST Eastern standard time, um, to talk about those things. And then we have like a special, um, free opportunity for about a hundred of you guys. Uh, if you get on that live and you ask a question, so, um, not everybody has to ask questions. You just have to be on the live, but it, it will be, it's going to be a super good lesson. So if you have the time, if you're available, um, clock in on Instagram at the lovely Aaliyah and check in with us, hang out with us, talk to us. Let me see your faces and, uh, yeah, just be really cool to connect with you guys like that. Uh, in addition to that, we have our Patreons. Thank you guys so much who have signed up to contribute, uh, with your subscriptions. I really appreciate it. It helps our show keep going in order for us to continue to bring you free content. And, um, those people benefit from extra discounts as well as more uh, content that they get. Cause, uh, one of my <laughs> friends said people will sign up and slap up all of your free content, but they won't pay for anything. I was like, that's not true. I, well, it's kind of true, but for the most part, if you're benefiting from this show, if this show is changing your life, if it's doing something good, um, you know, at the very least, I- I'm glad that you're listening. I'm glad that you're here. So I'm not asking for that. Um, but go ahead and post your favorite episode on your favorite story. Help our show grow. Um, it's been a big year and we're trying to get, we're almost to a million guys, a million downloads. I'm super proud of that. I'm super excited that like each one of you have been touched by the show. I'm so humbled by that and thankful. Like, so, I mean, one, that's amazing Two, Like if we can, if we can really throw this thing out of the water, I would just be beside myself. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> last but not least, I am looking for a assistant, another assistant. Um, so if you are someone who is really great with emails, intake, audio, social media, um, really into podcasts, stuff like that. Um, please send me your, uh, resume link. Um, just go on my website, thelovelylea.com through the contact page 
and let me know that you're interested. Do not DM me on Instagram. I won't take them via there. So um, go through the website. Um, I'm hoping to manifest someone who's local, but I understand that that's not always the possibility. But I'm looking for someone who like I really gel with. The vibe has got to be on. That's actually more important to me. Um, so hopefully you're out there and you're listening and I love you already. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's get into this very, very, very juicy episode. Holy shit. Okay. Sorry. We're going to jump right back in. But I, as I was exporting that audio, I just realized that today is 222. And yeah, you guys know I like angel numbers and all that shit, but like Today's 222 and 222 last year, I had the dream about my partner. So I don't know Uh, if you guys listen to the episode where I talk about the manifestations I had of 2020. Oh, I think it's episode 102. You can hear about the dream, but I had this dream that day. I was in Bali. I had just had this Reiki session with the heart, whatever. Okay. You probably already know, but (laughs) this is the the day that I had the, the premonition a prophetic dream about meeting my soulmate. So if you don't believe in manifestation, like at least the way it came through me and the way that I'm helping teach you guys, this it's been insane to see, wow, that was a year ago that I had spirit come and tell me directly, this person is nearby, this person is close. So anyway, I just, I, <laughs> I can't say it. it. I have this like fluttery feeling of like, wow, that was just a year ago. That went by really, really fast. And to see how I I was really in the position of ready and willing to open my heart and make myself vulnerable, it was literally like a snowball effect after that. Snowball effect of like where my life started changing incredibly. So anyway, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm feeling like, ooh, you can see how much can change in a year. And whatever. I feel really excited about it. So I thought I'd tell you guys. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Now we'll get into the episode. Lola Pickett is a bridge between realities. Neurobiology and behavioral sleuth meets soulful ceremonialist. She's a visionary behind Empath to Power podcast, the co-creator of the Wild Messengers Alchemical Tarot, and a spacekeeper for the Moon and Manifest Collective, in addition to the founder of Empathology, an eight-week resilience training for highly sensitive empaths who are ready to claim their sole purpose. Through her courses and membership, Lola Pickett empowers sensitive folks to rewire their brains, bodies, and behavior for internal and external resilience, shifting from self-repression to soul expression. She's embraced and empowered her inner empath through an in-depth and ongoing training, both the ordinary realities, such as cutting-edge neuroscience, physiobiology, trauma, somatics, clinical herbalism, and the non-ordinary reality, which includes the metaphysical realms in Peru, Mexico, and the United States. She's what I would call the empath guru and has found a way to divide up the empathic categories, much like the Myers-Briggs or Enneagram, all as a way to deepen your relationship with yourself. So please welcome Lola to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aaliyah Lovely. And today we have Lola Pickett, who I would kind of coin as a guru of empaths here. And <laughs> uh, really excited to talk deeply about what it means to be an empath and what kind of empath you are. Say hey to everybody. Hey, hey, everyone. It's so good to be here. Thanks for, for coming on. I'm excited because I looked through your bio and I looked through your, your line of expertise. And for myself, um, my first episode was about you might be an empathist. 
if, and my whole journey really started to unfold as I started to understand what empathicness meant. And I always thought I was too sensitive and I was too much. And, um, some of the psychic abilities that started to come in and being able to see spirits and stuff like that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Didn't make a lot of sense to my spiritual, um, well, my religious background. Um, my father also having some of these sensitivities as well as my grandmother and always being something we just kind of couldn't talk about. And so in this way, there's a a lot of like, as a child, just depression. And I can't talk about like the things that I'm seeing and like a lot of fear and just um, like, why why do I feel like this person is going to die soon? Or why can I I know my mom's emotions, things like that. So um, before we really get deep into the explanation of that, um, can you tell people kind of your background and how you explored your own empathicness, discovered more about this and what got you down to this place? Oh, it's such a common thread with all of us highly sensitive people, isn't it? It's like yeah. this internalized story that we take on of you're too much, you take things too personally. Why does that matter so much to you? Why can't you just toughen up? Mm. And I heard the same words that you just shared from my whole childhood. And I thought that yeah, I was just too sensitive to like really make a go of it. In fact, in kindergarten, my kindergarten teachers pulled my mom aside one day and said, you know, I think that she needs to do kindergarten again. My mom's like, what? Mm. What are you talking about? And they were like, well, she's just so like fragile. <laughs> she's so small. Mm. My mom's like, well, but is she like keeping up? Is she able to, you know, do the red yellow, blue, and ABC things that you're doing. And the teachers were like, yeah. And my mom said, well, then no, like she's moving on, you know, like that her smallness and fragileness isn't a reason to hold her back. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful that my mom advocated for me in that moment. Now, of course, like as with many of us, my mom and I have a bit of a complicated relationship Mm -hmm. because she's also an empath. And so we've had this like push-pull connection for my whole life as well. And that's another common thread that I see a lot is this, I feel my parents, I can feel how my parents feel about me mm-hmm. and how I internalized that and chose to behave uh, from a very early age was that of a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. So I became the person who knew what to say, knew how to make everybody else happy, knew how to create a comfortable environment for everyone else. Meanwhile, of course, like so many of us, my insides were like, what about me? Mm -hmm. I have needs. I want to be heard. And I didn't know that that was even happening. I wasn't that conscious of my inner voice at a young age, Yeah, but I did know I felt uncomfortable. And what that translated into was a lot of stomach aches, a lot of days in the nurse's office at school, Mm -hmm. sick days at home. Um, And then later it became anxiety and depression as well as disordered eating. And so all of these patterns started to rear their heads even more aggressively as I matured. Um, But I continued to follow the path of like what I should want and what I should do and what makes the most rational sense. So this became like a practical college degree with with no risk, really, and also very little reward. It became the job that I should want, the well-paying corporate sales job where I would drive home from work crying every night. It became the first marriage to my college sweetheart who checked out on paper, but was actually just really a boring relationship. Um, and I, I went through my life until I had my first son at age 30. 
really kind of just on autopilot Mm -hmm. and very, very numbed out. Um, Like a lot of us, the way I compensated for feeling so much was to shut it down Mm -hmm. and just to like, nope, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to feel it. It's inconvenient. But when my son was born, he was my wake up call and he inspired me um, through like a series of events to really question who I had said that I was inside, who I was choosing to be, what I was creating in my life. I realized like I am a creator of my life. I'm at least a co-creator. And here I am sitting here passively saying, oh, well, life sucks. Where's my role in this? Where's my responsibility? Where's my power? If I'm going to be the kind of parent that says, you can grow up to be whoever you want to be, which is exactly what I want to be able to say. I can't do that if I'm lying to myself about Mm -hmm. who I really am. And that began the journey that I've now been on for 11 years of really opening back up, getting curious, um, having all of my senses come back online. Thankfully, mostly a gradual process, but there have been a few moments where it's like, boom, next level. And our nervous systems sometimes struggle with that a little bit. And so we'll protect ourselves from it. Um, But it's been really fascinating. And now I've had the pleasure to have this become part of the way I show up in service in a way that doesn't bleed me dry, that doesn't drain me or overwhelm me or exhaust me or make me feel resentful of these gifts. It's no longer a burden to be so sensitive. Um, And I'm here to say and show the way um, for all of us sensitive souls that we can really have a life that that genuinely feels good. Um, Mm. It's possible. Mm. So this is very interesting, Um, not because of just what you're saying. I'm so I'm clear audience and I'm getting a lot of energetic signature from you. And I'm like, she seems familiar to me somehow. No, I love <laughs> that. A lot of register of like, I know her somehow. Like mm. there's something really close about you. Um, so you you brought up nervous system, which I do want to talk about because for a lot of people who are just uh, beginning on this journey and understanding what it means for them to be empathic, um, to me, what really interests me is that there has been there's so much science behind what empathicness is that they just now are starting to catch up with the spiritual world of what empathicness is. <laughs> right. And I would love to kind of just geek out with you a little bit about what that looks like, because um, when it first got introduced, like I had a very similar past. She's too sensitive. She's this, she cries too much, whatever. And I learned like at six years old, stop crying. It's too much. Like people start to treat you differently or whatever. Yep. And so then they started, I started hearing this term HSP for highly sensitive person. And so, which it is different from empath, but can fall in similar category. So I remember this very specific story because my parents tell all the time where um, I said that like <laughs> my me making my bed made my breath hurt. And they were like, what are you talking about? They thought it was so funny. And I was like, when I, when I make the bed, like we, we have these terrible wool sheets or um, blankets or whatever, and the texture would really bother me. And when I would have to pull it up and make the bed or whatever, I was like, it makes my breath hurt. And they're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> but I was having this, essentially this lung chest heaviness around touching the specific material. And, and also like, the action of having to make the bed with my sisters and them always like not taking care of the load and me feeling like I had to do everything would make my chest physically hurt. And so they always thought it was funny. And I was like, this was one of those things also with um, books. I couldn't read books that had the uh, paper mache type of pages. 
the touch of them would bother me a lot. And they're like, she's just mm-hmm. HSP. She's got this. She's got that. This is what's wrong with her. Anyway. Sensory processing disorder. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so talk to me and give us a little crash course about what that looks like for people, <laughs> because they might not like, so in order for us to be able to distinguish the two. Yeah. So there are differences between being an empath and being an HSP. But the first piece to understand is that everyone who is an empath is also HSP. Mm-hmm. Not everybody who's an HSP, though, is going to have those gifts take that next step and translate into that emotional, energetic sensitivity. It may remain with the physical five senses. Mm-hmm. So, because that HSP piece is the common thread, it's really important to understand what's happening at a neurobiological level in our bodies to help us stop feeling wrong and broken. Mm. Because it's not like this is an identity that you put on. This is the way that for many myriad reasons, your body is literally put together and wired. So the first thing before we get into like what that means is to like sit here as you're hearing me and Aaliyah talk and maybe you even want to put like your hand on your heart or on your belly or just like make physical contact with yourself. And if you have been told you're too sensitive, you're too much, you try to be a perfectionist about everything, you people please, even though you know you shouldn't, let us just be here right now together in this space and say it's okay. It's safe to be who you really are because you are in charge of making it safe to be who you really are. And Mm. when you know and understand deeply that this is how you're made, you can start to really embrace it versus feeling like it's a disability. It's not. Right. It's divergence. And guess what we need right now, folks? Divergence. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we need to diverge into new paths. And we are literally designed to do that as sensitive souls. So Mm. I'm really passionate about that piece. Thanks for hearing me out on it. Yeah. (laughs) For it. Um, but when it comes to the wiring, there's a number of different factors that that literally function differently in the way that sensory information gets translated from the outside world into our sensory neurons and then brought into our brains for processing and behavioral decisions. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's different is that our sensory system is more activated. So there's this process that our um, body goes through unconsciously at all times called sensory gating. Mm -hmm. What sensory gating does is it's part of our unconscious mind that makes decisions on how much data to let in. Because if we let in too much data, we go into what? Overwhelm, Mm -hmm. overload. Things start to shut down. We're only designed to receive in our brains a very, very slim fraction of the information that's out there. Mm -hmm. But when you're an HSP, your sensory gates are more open, which means that more than average amount of data, whether that's sound, texture, scent, color, light, um, all the different aspects of our physical senses, more of that information comes into our being. Mm-hmm. And because that's happening at this physical level, it can activate all kinds of protection mechanisms to help us try to regulate, mm-hmm. right? And so our bodies are constantly in a stance of trying to regulate the amount of data that's coming in as a sensitive person, because we may not be designed to actually process all that data. So what happens when we can't process the data? We go into overload. We mm-hmm. go into shutdown. 
we go into emotional reactivity where we begin to have feelings like the physical sensations of the heaviness in your chest that you were talking about. That's one of the body's way of saying, hey, hey, we got to back off. Mm -hmm. This is too much for you right now. But because you don't know that's happening, you're like, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I just make the bed? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, why can't I just do this? Like my sisters, why does it feel instead like somebody's dying and that mm -hmm. somebody is me? Hmm. Right. Yeah. It's because our body is letting in more information than we have the capacity to process. So one of the things that we can do to support ourselves, there, well, there's many, many things, but one of the things we can do, if that's been the case for you, is to first of all, have compassion because what creates capacity? is compassion. Mm. You know, I've never heard anybody say that. I've always understood that concept, but I've never heard anybody say it. It just came through. I don't think I've ever said it. <laughs> <laughs> One of those moments, right? But mm -hmm. it, what creates capacity is compassion. Because if you're in a place of judgment, fear, anxiety, resistance, you're already closing off and closing off creates more of the same, right? Because mm -hmm. what resists persists. Yeah. So compassion is saying, hey, you know, it's okay that it feels like a lot right now. I see you. I feel you. I feel me. I see me. Mm -hmm. That is immediately going to create a sense of release and mm -hmm. relief. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. So that's like not a biological mechanism. It's a behavioral decision to stay with yourself. Mm-hmm. That is what begins to pave the pathway towards resilience, where you don't feel like you have to shut down, where you feel like you can't do the things that other people do because you're wired differently. You actually can, and mm -hmm. you probably can do it better. You just <laughs> need to be able to hold yourself through the process. Right? I love that because there is, there is a lot of people who feel like, oh, I'm an empath. I can't do these things anymore. And it, for them, makes them feel like, they're incapacitated that they have one arm behind their back in some kind of way that this is a disability when in fact it's a gift. So I love that permission in that aspect of saying like, no, actually it, it's a, like you said, it's, it's, it's a behavioral, um, is that what you said? A behavioral. Yeah. Behavioral decision. Like it's a, decision. it's a practice. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So now that we've broken that part down, what is the difference between an HSP and an empath? And why is it yeah. that empaths are HSPs, but HSPs are not empaths? Yeah, because, well, there's a number of factors. Oftentimes, there's an aspect of childhood trauma that goes into the further development of sensitivities around not only physical sensation and sensory inputs, but also emotional protection mechanisms. If you have had an experience of childhood trauma and not all empaths are aware that they have, by the way, mm -hmm. yeah, um, and not all of them have had like traditional big T trauma either, where you're like, oh, well, I never was abused. So therefore mm -hmm. I don't have trauma. That's not really true. It's way more complicated than that. And yeah. we don't want to invalidate the lived experience we're having just because we don't believe that this is part of our past. Right. Right. So when there is trauma though, what the highly sensitive nervous system will do is begin to attune to the energetics and to the emotional environment that you're in, in order to protect you. And so this becomes a pattern of outward hypervigilance in order to be able to read the room, to predict what you need to do, how you need to contort yourself, essentially, reduce yourself, disappear, 
perform in order to create a psychologically safe space for yourself, an energetically safe space for yourself. And we don't consciously make those decisions, right? It's not like we're like, oh, I need to do X, Y, Z so that. It's a subconscious mechanism saying you're being the ecosystem that is you is endangered. Mm. You are going to need, we are going to need to understand our conditions at a very, very deep level, extremely quickly so that we can continue to survive. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you become very adept at reading people so adept that you oftentimes as an empath lose contact with your own connection. Mm-hmm. We become so habituated over time to that outward vigilance, that outward attention, that outward performance, that outward giving, the energetics, mm-hmm. that we get, get disconnected from ourselves. And because many of us are also carrying wounds of toxic narcissistic relationships because there's a, a spectrum and a balancing that's trying to happen, we avoid paying attention to ourselves because we falsely believe that that is narcissistic, mm-hmm. but it's not. <laughs> I got my hands up because I'm like, could you, could you have said it better? Like, I think I've said, expressed this at least 28 times on the show. Like, okay. Amen. Keep going. <laughs> so the the thing that that this leads to over time is this deep disconnection from the self. And so what that translates into is a life that feels empty, that feels purposeless. And yet like you have this deep calling to be of service, to make a difference, to help others, to have an impact, to change the trajectory. Like a lot of us are here to shift a paradigm, but We can't do that if we don't know who we really are, or if we are so scared of what we're going to find inside the closet of our soul, some sort of boogeyman that lives there, um, that we remain in that outward seeking hypervigilant state where we're in our kind of toxic form of empathy. Yeah. One of the things that I don't appreciate about the typical empath conversation is the self-victimization aspect where you feel disabled mm-hmm. and don't let yourself participate fully in your own life because you feel like you're too much or it's too much. Mm-hmm. The other thing I don't appreciate is um, this idea that it's on you to change the world, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. How heavy is that? Like yeah. talk about feeling like you can't breathe. Like that is so much pressure that mm-hmm. we put on ourselves. And what I believe and what I've experienced time and time again, seen in the spaces that I play in is that the more that we um, unshackle ourselves from the myth that self-love is narcissistic, Mm. the more we can show up in service because being yourself is your purpose. Mm. Girl preach. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is, this is so, it's so, so important because even for myself, like, you know, when we speak about empathicness and what that looks like, um, it, it is often seen, it's often seen as a disability. And it's also seen as what I thought you were going to say was, um, you know, we always have, always have this talk about empath versus narcissists and narcissists are the bad ones and empaths are the good ones. Of course, you know, yes. Yeah. And I was like, no, cause sometimes, you know, empaths can be, um, like, you know, like pretty manipulative. Know. Yes. <laughs> 
because we understand what someone is feeling. We kind of recognize that. And so in a lot of ways, um, this, this victimizing of, of our power, of our abilities, of our selfhood, um, it takes away from what I feel is very powerful. And in my belief, I believe everybody is an empath to some extent. Yes. Um, depending on the type of trauma you've been through and the type of work that you've done, um, you know, and some people just come in more sensitive than others. And so there's like varying degrees of that, but, um, especially lately, there's kind of been this trend of like empaths are, you know, the, the superior being exactly. <laughs> we're, so, <laughs> we're so special. And I was like, ah, you know, I kind of think everybody's an empath to some degree, you know, and it's just, we all have different gifts and things like that. So I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, next, I want to go into your, your, you said that there are nine different types of empaths and I went on your site and I took the test. I took it twice because I was like, I feel like I'm very divided between the two. And so I got emotional empath and psychic empath. And mm -hmm. so I would love if you can go through, you don't have to go in specific detail, but like go through what the nine are and kind of give some examples so people can maybe identify a little bit. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's super fascinating when you begin to drill it down because it really is more complex and more empowering than just are you or aren't you an empath? Yeah. Because the way that these... The way that this design, I'm not going to say like gifts, the way that this design manifests in your life can have a huge impact and influence on how you live in to that mm -hmm. design, how you actualize that design, how you embrace that design, or let it continue to inhibit you. So there are nine types. Emotional is one of the ones that I see the most, um, as you can imagine, because of exactly the factors that I talked about. A lot of times we develop those emotional protection mechanisms to pay very close attention to how other people are feeling mm -hmm. um, for a wide variety of reasons. And we didn't even get into like the ancestry piece, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not necessarily a personal trauma that has created these conditions in your life. Right. But anyway, so emotional empaths are the ones who feel how other people are feeling emotionally. This is the person who can walk into a room with a friend and ask the friend how they're doing. The friend says, Oh, I'm doing great. And the emotional empath goes, mm, that mm -hmm. is such bullshit. Yeah. Nope. This person <laughs> is angry or sad or anxious. And the way that you know is because you, as soon as you make contact with that person, whether you're thinking about them, feeling into them or spending physical time and space with them, you are feeling what they're feeling, mm -hmm. right? You're feeling the emotion. And if you're adept at this, you can very quickly recognize what is not yours, which yeah. is, of course, like an essential skill set. But I, I approach that a little differently than what a lot of folks talk about. Um, we also have the uh, vibrational empath, as I call it. That's the empath who feels frequencies, hmm. who feels energies, who um, it's, it's like a quality of a person or even beyond a person, a quality of being. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that you're sensing, that you can tap into and um, and sense, translate. You may have a temp temptation to try and transmute or change that energy on behalf of that being mm. because you feel like that might be your job. If you can feel it, you can heal it. But if it isn't yours, you can't. Mm -hmm. So you waste your time, you waste your energy, you waste your gifts by doing that. Yeah. So you you tune into the quality, the essence the frequency, the, the energetics of 
the people, the beings around you, and that goes beyond human form. You have then uh, the psychic empath who has the, it's like claircognizance. You have the psychic insights around what's going on with people. You may have a prophetic gift, um, prophetic dreaming, where you are able to see a very likely future outcome. We -hmm. can get trapped in disempowering ourselves and feeling like the future is already written because we saw it. But sometimes that's a self-fulfilling prophecy versus what could actually be another potential. Right. So we have to watch for that. Yeah. Uh, we can disempower ourselves by not trusting our psychic insights as well and maybe leaning too much on others who are more experienced or more proven. Um, a lot of times the psychic gifts that empaths have don't really have like a foundation in like clairaudience or mm-hmm. their sentience. You just know. And to be able to develop that trusted relationship with your intuition is one of the key pieces of like leaning into that more fully and making the most of having that gift versus having it feel like a burden. Right. You can also have like a hard time with psychic boundaries of mm-hmm. like, I actually don't want to know that right now. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be here <laughs> with my friend or whatever. Um, and so the boundary work goes beyond the physical realm, beyond behavioral, beyond yes to no, um, beyond integrity. And it goes into that psychic space where you need to really create that safe um, psychological safety for yourself. So you don't have the unwanted insights when you're mm-hmm. not like available for it. You're not getting paid for it. I spent last year doing that. Like, okay, I got to yes. learn these boundaries because this stuff is coming in. And I'm like, not right now. Don't want to know. Yeah, exactly. I got it. Yeah. Can't, can't do it right now. Um, <laughs> then you have the communication empath. That's the empath who knows what to say. That's who you are, right? That's who I am. Yeah. That's one of my primary uh, forms of the way that my empathic, empathness takes shape. <laughs> um, so you know what to say. You're naturally very, very good at making connections through language, poetry, songs, channeling, um, being able to market effectively because mm. you can feel what needs to be said in order to move people through into the way that you help serve them and support them. Of course, it can be a shadow expression as well because you can manipulate very, very easily. You can know mm. what to say and say that versus saying what's true. Um, it also often, like it did for me, shows up as people-pleasing because mm you're tuned into more what they need to hear versus what you need to say. (laughs) And that can create a disconnect. Uh, There's a lot of different interesting manifestations that that can take. Mm -hmm. And then you have the somatic empath. The somatic empath is the person who's like the medical medium or oftentimes is a massage therapist and they'll be touching Mm -hmm. someone or connecting with someone and have like a, oh, like, oh my God, like all of a sudden my gallbladder hurts Mm -hmm. or oh, I feel like there's an arrow in my back. And it's your ability to feel physically in your body the things that that person is either consciously or often unconsciously feeling. Mm -hmm. So it can make you a very, very powerful healer, especially if you use that information to then um, empower someone to support Mm -hmm. themselves in a very specific way. You, however may have that tendency to try and take it on, on yourself to take it away from them because you can feel the impacts of that physical experience. Um, and that is not going to work. All it does is hurt you. Mm-hmm. All it does is disconnect you from your physical experience. So you may actually be really connected to other people's bodies, but feel very unsafe in your own. Mm-hmm. And so the work for somatic empaths is to create that physical connection with yourself again and to learn how to connect with your body, even when it doesn't feel good. 
to know that it's still a safe house for your soul. Mm -hmm. Um, We have the spiritual empath who's like the spiritual medium, the one who can be a psychopomp, help souls cross over, who can make contact with the non-living, who has a very, very deep and visceral connection to spirit guides, to the ancestors. Um, This is the person who sees the sees the the thing in the corner of the room yeah. and it's like hmm, there's something over there you know like and it can be very overwhelming because again if you don't have good spiritual boundaries or feel very very certain and empowered in your own center you can be pulled and swayed and distracted and manipulated because those energies aren't just for the humans on this planet they happen in every realm right and so mm-hmm. you really have to do that work to center yourself, which feels very counterintuitive for most empaths, as we just talked about. Yeah. Um, Super, super important piece. You got your animal empath and your herbal empath. These are the people who would rather not people (laughs) (laughs) find it so much easier to just be with their houseplants or be in their garden or love up on their pets or go out into the field with their horses and just sometimes can't with how Mm -hmm. humanity behaves. They don't feel like they can relate to other people a lot of times. They oftentimes will be the person who says like, well, humans are a cancer on this planet, whatever. Um, The problem with that is what are you? Mm -hmm. You're human, right? And so your disregard and distaste for your own species has a huge impact on your health and vitality, wellness, and impact that you have as a being. And so you're like one of your major projects is to make peace with your humanity. Yeah. And to make peace with the cycles of nature and to connect with that like wider and deeper sense of time so that you stop losing hope that all is part of nature's grand experiment. Mm-hmm. Right. Stop being so damn judgmental. Because <laughs> guess what? What you're pointing your finger at is right here. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Let me see. I've done vibrational communication, somatic, uh, emotional, spatial. That's the one. Yeah. So spatial is another one that I I express. And the spatial empaths are the ones who can feel the energy that a space contains. Oh, that's They receive a lot of rejuvenation and replenishment from being in specific kinds of spaces, Mm -hmm. especially if they're like outside and getting that energy nourishment from nature, but they are also brilliant interior designers, graphic designers, web designers, because Mm -hmm. you can feel as a spatial empath, how a space needs to be put together to create a specific experience Mm -hmm. for the others in that space who are not necessarily going to know why they feel so good there, Mm -hmm. but they do. So you're the person who, when people come to your house, say, oh, your house feels so good, Mm -hmm. right? Or just like, I love how I feel when I come over to your place. (laughs) Or what is it about your website? Like, I just love, who did your website? Blah, blah, blah. Um, That's the spatial empath. And you, my love, are probably also a hopefully recovering perfectionist Oh, because you can feel like how it needs to be. And sometimes the reality has a hard time catching up with the vision or the hardware is slower than the software, so to speak. And so you can feel these constant like frustrations of like, but I just can't get it quite right. Oh my God. This is so funny because I'm literally (laughs) right in this moment 
um, she was, she was talking and I'm looking at her background and her background is super beautiful with her shelf and stuff. We just moved into our new house and I'm in my office and I'm like, Oh, I'm literally thinking about, okay, I want to put this wall here and this tape is still up here and our curtains haven't come yet. And I'm like, I'm irritated. <laughs> the fact yep. that how it feels. And I, my friends always say, um, they kind of make fun of me. They're like, you move into a house and then within a week, it looks like you've lived there for years. Same. <laughs> yes. It's like, because I know how it should feel. I can't be in my home for very long without it really fucking with me if the energy isn't right. And so that's so funny. Like, I, like I'll, I'll show you a picture of our living room afterwards. Because <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> in that space. I think that's beautiful though, because to me, all these different ones that you've expressed, I mean, I'm sure everybody has a facet of one of them or something, or at least even uh, all of them. But yeah. so funny to kind of see how they, they each have their benefits and their shadows and their, the ways in which they operate and how beautiful that those can be if you can recognize them. So I love that you broke those down. Was that all of them? That's all of them, I think. I think I covered them all. Okay. <laughs> so so my question, next question is, is that like, you know, getting to know this part of yourself is is a deeper dive into our personalities and our gifts and the way that astrology gives us a deeper insight or Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram or whatever. And being able to understand this part of ourselves, what I found for a lot of my clients is that there there is always kind of a fear around mm-hmm. empathicness, that it will open up, you know, some kind of door if you will. Um, you know, you said the spirit, spiritual empath or whatever. I, I see the, the corner people sometimes too. And <laughs> that, that fear about being able to tap into um, their ability to make that connection to energy. You have any tips for those people about how to deeper connect with those gifts in ways that, that are fruitful for them and not scary? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, to just validate that it is a scary thing and it's okay to feel a little bit intimidated or overwhelmed or anxious about what might happen when you open the door, when you turn back on. And, you know, here's the thing that I think we're really afraid of, and it's for very good reason. You want to hear what it is? Yeah. We're afraid of being powerful. Mm. We think we're afraid of being too much. We are afraid of being powerful. Because power up until this point, for many of us and for lifetimes, lifetimes, generations, thousands of years has been unsafe, has been the reason we've been hunted down, destroyed, shut down, diminished, dismissed, stolen from, you know, all of these things. And I don't want to get into too much of that, but there's a reason for the fear because we haven't seen many of us, most of us what healthy power actually looks like. Mm. And so we feel like, oh my gosh, if all this turns on, if they're, it's like that TikTok meme, they're going to know. No one's going to know. They're going to know, (laughs) right? (laughs) Which we say like every day, 5,000 times in our house. (laughs) We're on TikTok, but not on TikTok. (laughs) We're just doing it to ourselves. Um, You know, and so we're really afraid that there's going to be this negative consequence this witch hunt, basically, for us really being who we actually are, which is that open door, that mm-hmm. open door to all of life moving us and letting us move with life. What we're afraid of is that instead of a river, that it's going to be a flash flood and that we yeah. can't contain it and it's going to overflow our banks and destroy everything. Yeah. But 
just like that river needs containment, strong, solid banks, a bottom with stones that have been worn down over centuries. That's our work. Our work is to build the banks. Mm. Yes, like actual much better banks, right? But like we need containment and that doesn't mean restriction. Mm-hmm. Because I think when we think about containers, we sometimes think about like holding it in, mm-hmm. right? But really, it's channeling. Mm-hmm. So if you imagine how uh, electricity works mm-hmm. and what happens when there's a thunderstorm and the lightning strikes and it just you know goes everywhere and you don't know where it's going to land and it can cause damage, this is another metaphor for what we're afraid is going to happen. But When you have a rubber-coated wire Mm -hmm. for that electricity to go through from where it's being generated to where it serves and lights a room, all you need to do is channel it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like put it in a wire, Mm -hmm. build the rubber gasket around, and it's not going to limit you, Mm -hmm. not going to feel restrictive or constricting or contracted. It's going to feel... Like you're an Olympic athlete who's been ready for this moment your whole life, knows exactly what to do, breaks off at the starting gates and runs with everything you've got to the finish line without looking to your side, right or left, Mm -hmm. who's tracking you, tracing you, following you, where's everybody else at, what's the crowd doing, what are they saying? It's pure focus. Mm -hmm. Focus is our best friend and one of our greatest challenges right because as hsps that distraction pattern of having shiny object syndrome of being diagnosed with something like adhd like i can't focus i can't like this i you know the minute i get into one thing the next thing pops up and notifications happen and da 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 Mm. those are very convenient excuses that your nervous system has delivered to you on a platter to keep you away from your power Damn. <laughs> y'all, I hope you are listening. Because <laughs> it it's it's a hundred percent true. It's a hundred percent true. Um, the time that I decided to step into, I would say truly step into my power. Uh, I understood the empathicness thing about four almost five years ago. But when I decided that okay, there was something, a purpose I have here, there's something I need to do here. I'm tired of feeling like I'm I'm keeping myself away from what it is. I want to come out of the closet about how uh, weird I am or whatever. Um, I took that time, uh, my trip to Bali last year, I was there for a couple months. And I took this time to just really introspectively give myself that rubber coating <laughs> and exactly. uh, figure out where my lanes were at and, and really give myself opportunity to truly focus put myself halfway across the world. So that way people weren't note, like no, notifications weren't coming during my time zone. Exactly. <laughs> um, Make the conditions for yourself that you know you need, right? Yes, exactly. And it, it did put me in this, it propelled my podcast. It like, I suddenly, I was meeting all these people that I was like, Ooh, you should be on the podcast and you should do this. And uh, you know, this is what the branding is or whatever. And had no idea that that level of time and focus would put me, put me in my power. Um, allow me to express that, be around other people who are like-minded, um, who are also in the space of trying to own their power and 
and no longer say, saying maybe later, or I'll do this tomorrow, or I just don't feel comfortable putting myself out there, or I can't do it, you know, and all those narratives and limiting beliefs that we have that we keep as armor to keep ourselves from being vulnerable are also to keep us from being powerful. And unfortunately, um, a lot of our society thrives on keeping people out of their power. Disempowerment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which we, sold. we Oh, yeah. <laughs> we know about that. Um, so talk to me a little bit. I was listening to a podcast that you were on um, where you went through your lineage and you were like bred and born European white woman. <laughs> um, but then you went through how you were um, Scottish and you had Scandinavian roots and like all this kind of stuff. And that in the Siberian roots, there was shamanism where the word comes from and how you have this kind of strong lineage towards um, these abilities, if you will. And I thought that was interesting. I didn't get to hear the whole thing because um, I talked, we talked on another show and we talked about colonialism and um, which you spoke about on this particular show and say, I'm completely against this and, and you know, whatever. Thank you. Um, but it was interesting because I was like, yeah, because there are also indigenous roots that come from white yeah. people. Like they have their own. Yeah. They've also been colonialism has also hurt white people in that sense, because it's, it's asked them to get rid of their own indigenous traditions and adopt someone else's, if you will. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel like in empathically um, about being able to reach into your own lineage and being able to access some of those gifts, because yes, those gifts can come from uh, which we talked about earlier, the the more scientific or how we experience our childhood, but also like through our epigenetics and through our lineage as well. Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing, and and I know we don't want to go too political with this since I won't, but what I want to say is that right now for a white person, our indigeneity feels so far away because it is so far away. It's been thousands of years now where those traditions, whether they're pagan or Saxon, Celtic, um, Nordic, whether they're from any of those places, they were systematically snuffed out Mm -hmm. or bastardized and translated into some sort of religious context to try and bridge the gap between the local indigenous knowledge base and the colonial religion that Mm -hmm. was being put upon everybody. Yeah. Um, And so our indigeneity doesn't feel as accessible or maybe even as interesting Mm -hmm. as other traditions that are more recently colonized, Mm -hmm. traditions from Turtle Island, traditions from South America, Central America. Um, These things feel exotic. They Mm -hmm. feel more recent. They feel more available. There's more of a knowledge base around them because sometimes there are survivors of those lineages that are still here. A lot of them are unfortunately not here anymore. And so that can feel more accessible and it can feel like a way of honoring and doing repentance for, as a white person, the damage that you know has been done by people who either look like you or came before you, quite literally. Mm-hmm. But that is not an honoring practice. And when you're in a spiritual practice and you have, let's call them shamanic gifts, if you aren't in your integrity about that at a soul level, mm-hmm. not at a cognitive level where you're justifying it, mm-hmm. at a soul level, Your power is going to be reduced. You are going to be in your spiritual ego and you are going to be a danger to yourself and others. Mm. Mm. So it's very important 
to begin to heal the wounding, the grief, the resistance that many white folks feel around where we come from, the good, the bad, the in-between. Because guess what? Everybody has that. <laughs> you know, like none of us are without a, a rapist, a murderer, uh, whatever the fill in the blanks in our past. Mm -hmm. Like that's humanity. It's it's all the things, right? Yeah. And so if we can make peace with that, first of all, we can stop pointing our fingers at other people and say, well, not I'm not like that white person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just, hate that. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> let's, let's just be humans together. Mm -hmm. You don't need to sit up here and, and raise, a, raise a flag of how not like the others you are. Mm -hmm. Just be yourself. Mm -hmm. Speaks yeah. for itself. Um, but But for me, what I found is that as I explored why I felt disconnected from the Celtic pagan traditions. Why did I feel disinterested in my German, Saxon, Nordic lineage? Mm -hmm. Why did I feel disconnected from a lot of the traditional kind of story arcs around European mythology and where we come from? And so it wasn't until I really did my own DNA research and figured out that my matrilineal line did come up a very different way into what ended up becoming a lot of British Isles blood. Um, you know, all the way through Mongolia and Siberia. And so it's like, okay, a lot of the things that I have felt inclined to explore do actually make sense for me. Mm -hmm. And now one of the fears we have coming out of the closet is we're going to get accused of things, right? Accused mm -hmm. of appropriation, accused of witchcraft, accused of whatever. But when you know without a shadow of a doubt where you come from and who you are, nobody can take that away from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This operates for anybody from, of any race, like anyone. Exactly. I love this this idea because the idea of our gifts and the way we talk about epigenetics and stuff because what we often see especially as people of color is that the the area of whiteness that we see with our traditions and not seeing our faces or being able to have access to our own traditions because yeah. they've been uh appropriated or whatever like I was talking about when I went to Bali I was like where are where are the Balinese people at? Like, I don't see them here in the yoga and in the other places or whatever. I only see people from like Australia or Brooklyn or, you know, whatever. And, um, and very interesting that, that, that disconnect with, and the feeling that their own traditions were inaccessible as if they didn't have their own and needing to find someone else's because it felt more exotic yeah. to them in some kind of way. So well, it's colonialism. Yeah, right. I mean, exactly like, what that is. Yeah, it's like, oh, I see what you have, and I want it for myself. So I'm going to find a way to make myself feel good about it, and like preach oneness or whatever, so that I can excuse myself from having to take responsibility for the fact mm. that this is actually theft. Mm. Beautiful. I like appreciate that that very much because uh, when we talk about our gifts and looking into that, like you said earlier, um, we, when we're talking about empathicness. This is a getting to know ourselves, getting to know who we are, getting to know our gifts, getting to know ourselves better and places where we're able to stop negating our, our own power, stop looking for someone else's power and being like, that should be my power. Um, you know, like, I mean, that's kind of like, so I'm a medium uh, at a very low, I would say low level. I see, I see things, people show up sometimes, there's all kinds of stuff. But I am not to the level of like a, a, a really like good practicing medium. And I can look at another medium and be like, I want those gifts and I want to work on those skills. And that's fine, you know, to some degree. But like, that's not where my my skill set really, really lies or my gift set, I would say. 
Um, and so in this way, being able to acknowledge what your strengths are is a process of self-love of you getting to know who you are and loving what you can do and stop looking over someone else's shoulder about that. Because I think also as empaths, we're super sensitive to that type of energy. And that gives oh, yeah. us to also not claim our power. It gives us more distractions. It keeps us from being able to connect with ourselves in deeper ways that make us more powerful and essentially disseminates that energy uh, to other places that Absolutely. are not great. I mean, like it's a waste of time to be envious of somebody else just to be like basic about it. <laughs> but, but also like if you're afraid of what people are going to try and take from you, when you become powerful, well, you best be in integrity about your own mm. responsibilities there. Yeah. Yeah. Damn girl. Oh, we are out of time, but <laughs> we're going to go to Patreon and keep talking. Cause I want to, I want to keep this conversation going. We have some very interesting things we want to talk about. Um, but before we go, um, I just want to say like, what if, if, you know, lean into your empathiness, <laughs> um, what is a final message you'd like to give our listeners today? You, as you are in your fullness in your emptiness in your too muchness and your not enoughness are magic right now with no improvement, evolution, or growth, no pressure. Mm. This is what it means to be in your power is to stop lying to yourself about needing to be different than who you already are. Your whole. I love it. Ah, where can people find you? lolapickett.com is a great place to come and get started. And if you are intrigued by this conversation, I have my own podcast and path to power that you can find wherever you listen to this show um, and come over there because there are lots of fascinating guests. I'd love to have you on there um, to continue the conversation, but it's, it's a very different way of looking at being an empath where it really is a path to power. Mm, beautiful. All right, well, we're going to head over to Patreon. Guys, thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with someone you love. And thank you so much for always being a part of our show. We will see you in the next one. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Aaliyah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening.